I'm Andrew Schwartz, and you're listening to The Truth of the Matter, a podcast by CSIS where we break down the top policy issues of the day and talk with the people that can help us best understand what's really going on. To get to the truth of the matter and a preview for the second Russia-Africa summit, which happens this week on Thursday and Friday, we have with us Mavemba Dizalele, who is our Africa program director. So glad to have you here, man. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me. So tell me, Mavemba, what are Russia's top goals for this summit? Andrew, you know, Russia has been under tremendous pressure since its invasion of Ukraine. There have been financial sanctions, economic sanctions. They've been kind of ostracized. At least um, Donna country have tried to do that. So this is an opportunity for Russia to try to assert its own position on the global stage. They held the first summit in 2019 in Sochi. About 43, I think, African countries attended. This time, all 54 African countries are supposed to be represented. And that is coming, of course, post the pandemic, not post-Ukraine yet. But Russia will seek to show the world that they still matter, that the world is multipolar and they have a place in that. And they will use this. You know, we know that Russia just pulled out of the Green Deal. Which I definitely want to ask you about, because that affects Africa in a big way. Absolutely. And I expect Russia to come up with some largesse package. Like, see, we are the good guys. We're going to release... X number of metric tons of wheat. Right. We're only cutting off Ukraine. We're not cutting you off. Exactly. Is what they want to say. Or we're going to facilitate something to come up, even from Ukraine, and we'll be the good guys. Okay. And so, you know, it's 54 African countries. They're all individual countries. They have different relationships with Russia. But what are some of the key goals of the major African players going into this summit? And then I want to ask you, you know, what is their reaction going to be to this largesse grain deal that Russia wants to put forward to Africa? Well, we don't know if Russia will do that, but I suspect they will do that. I mean, they only have so many things in the toolkits, right? Grain is one of them, weapon system, defense and security agreement, keeping Wagner in over there in Africa. In? Yeah, yeah. Because Wagner is such an important tool of Russia foreign policy. Whether they reconfigure it, whether they call it something else, they need it where it is. They need it where it is, but does Africa want it where it is? Let's be specific. Wagner is only in four African countries, right? So it's Sudan, Mali, Libya, and the Central African Republic. In the West, we make so much noise about Wagner that you think they're all over the continent. Wagner's definitely the boogeyman. Absolutely. However, the people who are using Wagner need Wagner. Not all African countries is manifested by where they are. They're only in four countries. Those are very weak regimes that need somebody to help them fend the potential enemies. So in that sense, that need is not going away. Unless Western countries step in with packages that meet those countries' needs, then they will continue to need Wagner Group. Okay, so that's a metaphor for what Russia is trying to do in a larger sense in Africa, really trying to replace Western countries to the African nations. What does the West think about all this? I think the Russians take advantage of opportunity that's open to them. They're very good at being that, like, oh, there's an opportunity here, let's jump in it. The West, I think, has been sluggish. I always say, you know, the West wakes up in the morning and looks in the mirror and says, anti-pretty. Well, we kind of are. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, they are. But right. everybody says, yes, you are pretty. Yeah. You're not the only pretty one over here. Yeah. And by the way, there are a few flaws that you need to fix. Sure. So I think in the West, it's actually a call to us to say, hey, what are we doing in a place like Africa? Africans have agency. They have responsibility for their own future. But if in the West we decide that we want to compete with everybody else in this multipolar world, 
then we need to meet Africans where they are and not expect them to be some like deep every African leader, there's some Western leader waiting to come out. No, they are Africans. They have their own experiences. They have choices. Let's make our choice the most palatable to them. Okay, so we're talking about a lot of countries and they've had divided reactions on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. How do you expect different African countries to actually approach this summit? So I think different countries, one, food security is a key point. I think all African countries from Egypt all the way to South Africa will want access to grain. They will want access to fertilizers. And then everyone will negotiate their personal interest. By personal, I mean national interest. So the countries that need more security packages from Russia, they will try to negotiate that. Some countries will need... Russia to support them at the UN, because remember, Russia is still a full member of the Security Council at the United Nations. So as such, they always cover for countries that need that cover. They will veto certain positions. That's the soft power that is really important for a lot of African countries, because they don't want to be bullied by Western countries. So which are the African countries that are closest to Russia, and which are the ones that are closest to the West? I think most African countries are somewhere in between. The only country that is really close to Russia in a very clear way is Eritrea. You know, Eritrea in that big vote in the UN back in 2022 voted against the resolution. It was the only African country that voted against the resolution. The other countries either voted for the resolution or abstained or didn't show up at all. But now we have Mali, we have the Central African Republic, we have Libya, and we have Sudan. Those are the four countries that we'll say now are close to Russia because of the Wagner Group, because of the situation they find themselves in. Every other country wants to keep its option open. Okay, so Movember, which countries is Putin going to try to create stronger alliances with at this summit and, and why? It's hard to answer because I don't think the Russians think that way. I don't know. I'm not in their head, but just the track record, I don't think they think that way. I think, again, they seize the moment where the opportunity is. They deliver on that thing and they try to augment that. But I don't think they're thinking next time we're going to try to get Congo. We're going to try it. No, they're trying to see where the weak spots are, who's in conflict, who's being shunned by the West, who needs us, and then they deliver. So if you had to predict, and I know you're not really in the prediction business, but what do you anticipate is going to actually come out of the summit? The most important thing that will come at Russia try to assert itself and say, we are one of the good guys. Take a second look at us. We give you everything you need. And by the way, we'll top the cherry with our position at the UN. A country like South Africa, to go back to your question just a few moments ago, I don't think Russia will target South Africa. But South Africa is one of those regional powers. As a member of the BRICS, is automatically in the same camp with Russia that way because they're all in the BRICS alliance and they're trying to change the way the world functions, like the financial, the role of the dollar, and so on. So in that sense, there's certain alignment there, but they're not in Russia's pocket. Where's Nigeria on all this? Just like any other country, large economy, a lot of oil, large population, they want the options open. Same with Egypt? Same with Egypt. As you remember, Egypt had been both in the Russian camp and the U.S. camp. So there's a long history there. And Egypt gets a lot of agricultural product, namely grain, from Russia and Ukraine. They don't get that from the U.S. Okay, so who does Russia consider the most strategic countries in Africa? 
I think at this point, Russia is looking at the continent. Everybody considered the entire continent as strategic, right? It's because of the 54 block of vote in the UN. So every vote counts, whether it's Malawi or it's South Africa or it's Egypt. So if you Russia, if the United States, you want all of those votes. That's why there was such a big hoopla when half the continent did not necessarily vote with the U.S. at that U.N. resolution about Ukraine. So while Russia is paying a lot of attention to the continent and to all 54 countries, what do you think the United States should do in response or even proactively? Africa as a whole is a low-hanging fruit for the U.S. You know, these people have studied Plato, Aristotle. They're no more westernized people than Africans are, right? They have European names. They have Christian religion. Sure, there's a big chunk that are Muslim, but the entire structure is Western, right? Even in places like Morocco, because of the colonization, right? French, so our education system and so on. Yet, the U.S. has not met the Africans halfway. We continue coming up with this lofty concept, lehi vetting, democracy. Africans want those concepts as well. But these are young countries, on average 60 years old. They still go through a lot of changes. We see what's happening in Israel. We see what's happening everywhere else. Democracy is not easy. So every time we pull out, every time we suspend somebody, we create opportunities for the others. Vemba, a lot to think about. Thank you so much for helping us to understand this summit and its implications. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 